Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole world. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Sup, Powerful Nonsenses? Hello. We're back in your ear holes for another episode of Powerful Nonsense, the millennial podcast. I've had a few technical issues this morning. Yep. I can't move. Yeah, Jem's not allowed to move. I have wires all over me in certain areas <laughs> just to make sure that this audio comes through clear. We have loose connections. Loose connections abound. <laughs> <laughs> so we're having to remain very, very still. We'll be priming a new wire over to us tomorrow, hopefully. Oh, Amazon Prime. If you're joining us for the first time, I am Wayne Ingram. I am Jem Yildiz. You hesitated there. I was kind of doing like a dramatic. Just oh, to dramatic. Did you like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Cheers. Great. Yeah. Maybe you should uh, come drama school with me. Maybe. I did you know. I did play Scrooge in my school play. You played Scrooge? I played Scrooge. I played... Who's the other one from um, Bugsy Malone? I was the main character for that as well. Were you? Who knew? Who Acting knew? Talent. I didn't know. I've known you for years and you never told me that. Yeah, but it was one of my most fond <laughs> performances. <laughs> was it Was it the Muppet version of uh, Christmas Carol? Uh, no, I don't think it no, was, actually. No Kermit. And um, I remember my, like my parents said to me after, first of all, they were like, I was super shy when I was young. And so they were like, um, wow, we didn't expect you to be like so, boom, out there. And then also she was like, yeah, every single time another kid forgot their lines, you would tell them their own lines. <laughs> <laughs> that is so you. Like literally on the stage. That is so you. That is so so you. So there you go. It's in the blood too, Wayne. It's in the blood. If I become your competition, be beware. Well, okay. So um, we've got a lot of stuff to uh, talk about today. Um, we've got several interesting topics that kind of link into kind of stuff that we've already talked about a lot. One of which being uh, the financial security of millennials and um, we're going to be talking inheritance which we don't talk about a lot actually it comes Sounds up every now really and then exciting. i know right <laughs> yeah maybe i haven't sold that too well um but let's put it this way if you're a millennial the future's looking bright <laughs> <laughs> it's not orange but not orange but bright um and then we're also going to be talking about the future of ai and particularly how it's going to link into healthcare. And your kids, like and your millennial kids, not your millennial kids, but millennials having their kids. That's it. And you as an oldie, how it's going to affect you there. Um, but before we get into all of that, also, this week millennials killed, right? Oh, yeah, we have. Forgot got about that. that one. Yeah. Tipping. And not fly tipping, <laughs> as in tipping waiters and shit. When we're talking about why millennials aren't doing that. So before we jump into all of that, let's go into the quote of the week. Okay, so <laughs> quote of the week this week 
Um, Jem, Jem put this into the notes. I was on the train and <laughs> and the full, and then I heard it. I don't know where I heard it. I might have read it. I saw it. It might have been in my own brain talking to me, but I don't want to take credit for the quote. <laughs> and then I think I might have said, Do you know what? I'll write the name down later. It didn't happen. So unfortunately, this is anonymous. So we have no we have no credit for this. I just said to Jem, I said, Jem, who's the quote by? He said, we're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so no credit. If you do know who this belongs to please do let i did know. actually google it but then loads of stuff came up so it could just be another one of those generic oh one of those where it's always like miss misquoted all over the place yeah 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 but the quote itself is a good one even mm. though we don't know who it who it was uh the quote is you can't outperform your self-image yeah i like this it's kind of like you are what you eat i think it's the same thing you are what you think like you have yeah. to have do you like that you have to have good thoughts about yourself and what you can achieve. Otherwise, you're just not going to push for certain things. If you don't believe you have the possibility of becoming an actor or owning your own business, it's just never going to happen. And so I think it's so important that you... I think confidence is usually the thing that holds a lot of people back or they're always second-guessing themselves. And so I think you've got to think if you haven't got or aren't achieving the things you want, it's probably because you've told yourself it's not possible. Hmm. So like me this morning being like, I am, I've determined I am not a morning person. Yeah. Do you think that is I think that's like a reinforcement for sure of like But I mean I've tried no, but to I, be a morning person. Yeah, but person. I already said to you, I was like, well if you're a morning person you probably need to be asleep by about ten o'clock and you were like, there's no way I don't even like get into like seven, eight and by the time I'm sleepy it's like eleven, twelve and then I finally fall asleep. I'm like, well, that shows you that your night kind of routine is not that of someone who's a morning person. So what you're saying is in this instance, not valid. No, I think your thing's valid, but well, yeah, for you it's not valid. But I mean, if you constantly reinforce yourself, like words have power. And so if you constantly say to yourself, I'm not a morning person, again, your actions aren't going to lead that way. And maybe actually currently your routine and your lifestyle doesn't kind of help you become a morning person. So, so I guess what I'm asking is, is that self-image or is that just yeah well your pra- impracticality your, your whole thoughts make up your self-image everything you tell yourself like i've always said oh i'm good at sports so naturally when i do sports i figure out how to be good at them or something like that and so it's it's those things you constantly say to yourself or people say oh, i've never been um i've always been the fat person i've always okay. been um oh, i'm not as clever or like i know my sister she was like oh i'm just not good at paperwork and stuff like that right and it's kind of like you've reinforced it so many times and so obviously your self-image is that you're not someone who's organized or good at paperwork or very intelligent or very fast at running or whatever else and so again you'll just kind of stay in your own lane and so this is kind of saying well the only way to outperform and do better in life is actually to kind of shatter your current self-image and expand on that all right yeah very good very good thank you very much dalai gem <laughs> no, um, Jem Guru. <laughs> Jem Guru, that was it. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, so let's get talking inheritance. Woo! It is time for the story of the week. So, has there been a few articles? around the internet about this. So the research suggests that UK millennials will collectively inherit £1.2 trillion in the next 30 years. 
Which is probably like less than the uh, student debt. <laughs> I mean, yes, it is probably less. Than, well, no, well, actually, well, these were the interesting, the really interesting figures because you think, okay, yeah, collectively that's fine, but there's a lot of people in the in the UK, mm. and you go, okay, fine. So, but the real figures that were of interest to me were that over half would inherit at least fifty thousand pounds, mm-hmm. but the average of those that so of that half of those inheriting at least fifty thousand pounds the average amount inherited was just under quarter of a million two hundred and thirty thousand pounds was the average amount to be inherited and that's not necessarily in cash money um, but like fixed assets and things like that oh yeah i didn't think about it like that so the average of the 50%. Fifty percent. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really clarify the other. 50, I assumed the other fifty percent is less than fifty thousand. Mm. I suppose. I suppose that makes sense. We're pretty screwed anyway because we've got like large families with like lots of brothers and sisters. I so know, but that... then also the average, right? It's the average mm. of the. Mm. Depends. You know. But yeah, no, you're probably right. <laughs> but no, I have a couple of friends who are kind of like obviously looking to buy houses and stuff at the moment, and I think I was saying this to you earlier that actually instead of like waiting until somebody dies, I think the best thing that probably um, parents of millennials could probably do is try to release some of those funds earlier to help with letting millennials become adults. I know we had that whole conversation a few weeks back on like should parents help out with mortgage payments Mm -hmm. or deposits or rentals and stuff like that. But I mean, as a parent, you probably want to see your money go to good use while your children are in that sort of flurrying Mm. part of that, trying to find themselves, trying to get themselves settled and think about having kids and so... I know one of my friends, his dad's recently like remortgaged their property that obviously is now worth a shit ton more than what they bought it for. And they can release some finances to actually help um, their son to actually go and get their deposit or get their first property. And so I think that's definitely something that as a millennial, you should probably, if you, if you think your parents have got to sit on a bit of money and you're thinking, I haven't even got a property yet and I'm paying ridiculous rent. And maybe you can have that conversation of actually, is there a way to remortgage and pull a bit of that money that's going to be there for inheritance later on mm. and actually help you get yourself on the ladder or maybe whether it's upskilling or something like that. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because like the previous generation, I think, has, was brought up in such a kind of gather as much as you can, get ready for retirement kind of mentality. And, it, and it's kind of, it will eventually bear fruit <laughs> for the younger generation but also in the immediate time it's actually as we've talked about many times actually kind of messed things up for our generation because there isn't enough in a way to go around not in the sense of like cash money again but actually just in terms of property and this that and the other um but i was actually on the way here i was talking to somebody that i know and talking about how you know, as we've said, you can work your ass off as a millennial um, and be earning a good wage, a good hourly wage, and still have no hope in hell of actually buying a house. And I actually joked, funnily enough, like, yeah, you just essentially you've just got to wait till your parents <laughs> pop their clogs, <laughs> pop their clogs and yeah. then think about buying a house. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, if that is true, and I hope it's not. There are a lot of millennials with very young parents like mine. <laughs> I'll be I'll be eighty before I own a house. <laughs> How's that inheritance going? 
<laughs> like, Wayne, I think it's your year for acting this year. This could be the one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 a sad state of affairs that it's kind of got to that that point really that for it really is quite sad that mm. for many people to even have the opportunity to have the comforts that many people strive for, they've got to lose their parents essentially. Yeah, the crazy thing is as well, you don't understand like once you to get that first property doesn't just mean, oh, look, you've got your first property. Like I had a meeting yesterday with uh, the bank to see if we can get loans for our businesses. And like the first question I ask you is like, have you got your own property? As like, And it's suddenly, okay, well, if you have a property on like me and my business partner, like, I have a property, he doesn't, but he's getting one. But then instantly we're now allowed access to more funds because of it's that. nuts. And so nuts. it means now I can actually grow a business that can help make me more money in the future. And it's kind of like this this cycle of actually... In some ways, unless you're kind of passing some money down, it doesn't allow you to have the quicker option to actually create more money and more wealth mm. for yourself and build your own legacy for your children. Mm. And so there's more to it than simply give your kids a bit of money and they buy a property. Of course. But there's so much more to it. Of course. And it's a bit of a morbid conversation to have, really, in, in a way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, what happens when my parents die? Like, it's a horrible conversation to be having, but it's also... You know, sadly, at this point in time, a bit of a reality. Um, interestingly, another stat that was thrown out in the study, um, which I think sums up a lot of what we say, which is that um, 31% of 25 to 45-year-olds, so the upper end, the mid to upper end of millennials and the the tail end of Gen X, say that they actually put off saving so that they can live more in the now. And, and actually live for the moment and all that sort of stuff because they've kind of come to the conclusion that actually later down the line in like 20, 30 years, 40 years time, they've actually got some money coming down the line through inheritance. And actually, I, and I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying a minute ago. The, the situation currently is a, is so dire that it's almost like, what is the point in saving the money for the house? Because you, even, no matter how much you save, you're not going to have enough money. So you may as well wait for that chunk to come through or hope that it comes through because there's no guarantee that it will, of course, and then worry about it then and actually just enjoy life now. Because, you know, in 30, in 30 years' time, some of these people will be nearly 80. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah. do you really want to... Wait till you're 80 before you start enjoying your life. Yeah, I think I think just parents have to become parents and their children, millennials and their very old parents need to just become a little bit more practical and just think mm. about. It. I think having that conversation and showing like how it's laid out. I think a lot of the actual your parents looking at the current situation. I know my parents did, and loads of other parents are looking at it and saying, "I don't know how our children are going to do it." Yeah, and so it's actually kind of working out together whether that means getting a financial advisor to kind of figure mm-hmm. out how you practically pull some of that wealth down Mm -hmm. and allow you to kind of get your foot on the ladder and move on from there. I mean, admittedly, and I think it's something we should probably talk about because we don't talk about it very often. Um, Admittedly, a lot of this housing issue is centred around London Um, because in like Manchester and Birmingham and places like that, it's not half as bad. And actually, it's provided that you are not single, it's not unreasonable to be able to put a deposit down on a house. That's not to say, however, that it's easy to do. It's still tough to do. And it's far tougher than perhaps... Well, it's still far tougher than previous generations. And it's only going to get worse, essentially. Particularly as demand goes up. Interestingly, so I've been having... This is a bit of a segue. But 
I was uh, in, in class the other day. Somebody was delivering a monologue about exponential doubling, right? And I have, I have absolutely started to get proper anxiety about this. <laughs> so exponential doubling is when um, basically, uh, some, basically it's the idea of doubling every time, right? So you've got... Exponential growth or not like Exponential that. doubling. Okay. So the example that they're, that they're talking about is actually human breeding right and how it took us like a hundred thousand years to get to one billion people on earth and then in and then it's gone to like eight billion in the last 40 years from four billion and actually in about 40 years time there's going to be like ridiculous billions of people fighting for space on this planet and i've got as long as i don't get on the london underground (laughs) that's it it, right but i'm already like it's actually got me really really anxious because i'm like shit this is actually it's a legitimate mathematical problem and demand for houses going back to the subject itself is only going to get worse which means prices are only going to get higher in the next 20 30 40 years and I'm like, absolutely, like, honestly, it's been keeping me up at night, You'll this idea. Like, out of nowhere, dear, but your, your landlord's going to be like, yeah, there's 10 more people moving in <laughs> yeah. next month. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm putting a wall up in the middle of your room. <laughs> Two walls. I'm going to put four in your room now, Wayne. And you know your bathroom, that was your ensuite. Yeah, that's two rooms. <laughs> <laughs> And people will literally be living in the cupboard under yeah. the stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, but that's, that's a reality of, of what's to come. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so housing prices are only going to get higher. So even in the less uh, heavily populated areas, it's still coming eventually. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to the inheritance thing. Do you think it's a good kind of position to be in where you're kind of looking at uh, your inheritance and going, well, do you know what? I'm just going to live in the moment. Well, I just think, obviously, we spoke about it on a previous episode, just having responsibility for yourself. But at the same time, I just do think that you've got to have that conversation as early as possible. You've got, to, you've got to basically financially plan. I think it's the biggest thing that our generation are missing out. We had that um, conversation with Pete Matthews. I just think that a lot of people aren't actually looking at the options, aren't aware of their options available. Like, I've been looking at mortgages lately and there's certain types of mortgages where actually your parents can back you so that you can get a mortgage on your own like sole propriety mortgages it's just understanding the finances of things Mm -hmm. and i think that i just think millennials have kind of like shut it off like it's not going to happen for me it's a big responsibility i don't want to even think about my financial future whether i have a pension uh, inheritance or my parents are going to pass this much and how i'm going to use it to make sure i can sustain myself and People just don't plan ahead, and I think that's the biggest mistake, really. Mm, I would definitely recommend listening to that uh, episode. Was it two episodes we did? did you yeah. Spain too? Yeah. Uh, with Pete Matthews. We'll <clears throat> we'll link to it in the show notes, but definitely worth a listen, particularly for the millennials that are out there, which is most of you, I think, um, that are not sure about financial stability and financial planning and things like that. He is a financial advisor. That is his job. Um, so he does know what he's talking about because often we have to say on this show don't necessarily listen to us because we don't actually know what we're talking about this is hypothesis but this guy does so we'll link those in the show notes and you can go back and listen to those okay let's move on to tech news so interesting study took place studying uh generation ai or the igen as some people calling them, or... The Alpha Kids. The Generation Alpha, that was another one that I heard, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and this was an interesting little study about how millennials might utilize technology within healthcare in the future, both for themselves and for their own kids. And it was really, really interesting how much, and this was the thing that really jumped out at me, how much A, uh, millennials as parents are going to be completely willing to let machines track the health of their children, um, and B, how much they were actually more willing to have uh, a robot or a computer essentially looking after them in their old age than necessarily a human. Those were the two things that really, really jumped out to me. We'll, we'll link to um, an article that broke down the study in the show notes as well. Um, so you can kind of have a look at some of that. But we, have, we haven't really talked much on this show about technology and healthcare specifically. We're very, very into our technology, very, very into the AI future. But we haven't, I know we both get quite excited about it. We've talked about it a lot in person, but not necessarily on the show. So I'm just going to open up the broad conversation. The future of healthcare, Gem. What do you think? Look, for me, like something I'm proper fascinated about. Like, I haven't got into like the wearable watches because I just hate wearing watches, but I do see it as something that is definitely, you're seeing the starts of it. Like I can now get a blood test sent to my house, take a prick of my finger, send it off, and in one day I've got a proper doctor to break down my blood and stuff like that but soon enough that might be built into a chip that i just put under my skin and the doctor does that for me and every so often i can just jump in and track what's going on on my computer so i think it's definitely happening in terms of like people getting their children to use certain devices you got the same it's the same thing as the bloody when you was downstairs in the house and the kid was upstairs in their cot and you could hear the audio it's like well what if you're the mat that your baby's laying on kind of gives you its heartbeat and you've got like problems like cot death or the child being fully like stuff like that but if you could actually have devices and technology that could stop that or i know i was even like there's technology where um it was actually helping people in their older life where nappies could tell when somebody had like wet themselves. And obviously as you get older, that is something that can happen in continents. And so what if they built devices into nappies that told you when the baby's wet? And so I think that only goes back to our basic needs and our basic desires to keep our children safe. Mm. And so actually if technology can help in any way with that, whether it's cameras, whether it's these mats that can track heartbeats and, or technology that stops your baby getting baby rash. I do think that our generation will be very open to it. The part around the kind of older in the future, kind of having a robot look after you, I think that just goes probably, people see that as kind of an opportunity because I'm, most people's awareness of being cared for in later life Mm -hmm. is, oh, everybody wants to fucking touch you and there's perverts and whatever else. And there's a huge fear around, oh, if a person's put in a caring home, they're probably being mistreated. And actually a robot doesn't have those sort of sick desires to do something like that. So I can see that side of it. But at the same time, I also think that we're seeing that um, the older generation in particular is a massively growing population. And actually we actually don't have enough resources to look after them. And so I think most people would rather be looked after by a robot than no one at all. Mm. And it's going to be a lot of pressure on families. And so I think, yeah, there's a great opportunity for sort of tech to step in. Yeah, the health technology stuff is actually one of the areas of technology that I am probably the most optimistic about, actually. Um, And it's one of the things that excited me most uh, when the Apple Watch first came out. Um, Even though, you know, Fitbit, Fitbit had been doing stuff like that before. But I think Apple made it kind of mainstream. As the in the way that Apple does with so many things, right? And uh, I remember us talking about the possibilities of, you know, having the 
the watch on your wrist, not only tracking your heartbeat, but tracking blood sugar levels, which I know that they are working on, um, trying to work out a way of doing that without actually piercing the skin and um, all sorts of other things that, that they should be able to track. And actually what that, what you can do with that information. The thing that's interesting is actually as far as the health tracking stuff goes, we're at very, very early stages. The, the, the data collection is very rudimentary and actually it kind of just sits on your phone and you don't really do anything with it. Whereas actually eventually they'll be able to utilize that data within KPIs and not KPIs, APIs, um, and, uh, and kind of use that use that information to generate uh, notifications and things which we're already starting to see one of the things that the apple watch will do is if your heart rate i think persistently stays too high after um, or takes too long to recover after exercise it will give you a notification for elevated heart rate um which you start freaking out that's it but then that's that's essentially a notification to say you should probably go you know check this out and go see your doctor there have been stories of um yeah, yeah of like actually of saving lives isn't the it? apple watch saving lives because they actually i mean i can't talk for fitbit because i don't know the, the, enough information about it but i know the apple watch for definite is accurate enough that actually um it's almost as accurate if not more accurate than some of the technology that's used in hospitals ecg and stuff to, like that, just yeah. to track heart rates yeah so there have been stories of like athletes and things that have not- noticed elevated heart rates gone to see a doctor and be like yeah you're actually two weeks out from a heart attack and things like that. And this is early, early stages. And that's just heart rate stuff. And and so, that, so that's what really, really excites me. We're actually at this really, really early stage. And when you think, you know, if, you're, if you've got an Apple Watch that can track things like blood sugar levels and things like that and some of the stuff that you were talking about, when you've got all that sort of stuff that's that's it's smart technology so it's not like you're in your old people's home hooked up to cables and like mm-hmm. that very very horrible image that you have of just like computers all around you you know that all mm. those um sci-fi films where you got the old person that's basically linked up just the wires that's and just... it um but actually you can just live your life but actually the care home is getting all of this information on an hourly basis of like what your health is like just think about how you know, how much can be done for you before things need to be done and preventative strategies. So the healthcare stuff really, really excites me as a potential, but then also I get anxious about exponential doubling. So there we are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I just think for me, it just needs to be a little bit more frictionless at the moment. I don't want to have a device on my wrist at all times that does everything. I'd rather have a chip inside me. I'll go into my kitchen in the morning and it gives me like a, my bloody Alexa or my home pod or whatever tells me a little update of how my sleep was i look at the a screen on the fridge and it tells me like what my daily eating was yesterday what it would suggest i maybe have a salad for lunch in the afternoon mm. and actually you've still got that leftovers or whatever for tonight's meal and that sort of thing so it becomes more integrated into the day-to-day yeah that's the thing that that's the thing that i struggle with um because i do quite like doing the health tracking stuff but the problem is is you have to remember to input a lot of data yeah a lot of it is automatic i think if somebody can work out a way and i don't know how you would do this but a workout a way of actually tracking dietary intake automatically without actually having to manually enter data which i have no idea how you i would think do. i know they do it in the same way that you kind of like do a shop 
if you do a shop and it's set meals for each day, like you get the bits and pieces, or you suddenly start getting these frozen healthy meals, or you start getting these um, planned boxes, those boxes know exact quantities and they can give you breakdowns mm-hmm. of stats. If you know you're having particular meals on certain days, but it's just whether you're going to be so routine. Obviously, if you decide to eat out or grab a sandwich from a supermarket they have to be integrated with it where you say okay meal deal you scan something it pops it straight in but in terms of your own home use i think in the future it's going to be quite simple if you're getting all your stuff delivered as meals and i think that kind of creates the same problem though it's just moving it to eating the the stuff that you said you were going to eat at that time it changes the problem from make sure you remember to put it into your your dietary diary to make sure you eat what you said you were going to eat do you know what I mean? It's the it's it's having it completely automated. Yeah, but then I it might make the challenge. choice for you. It might be like, have that meal. You're having this on Monday. You're having this on your lunch, and you're going to be near. Well, I mean, if he's willing to cook it for me as well, then oh, I'm wow. all in. As I I'm say, I'm all in. Wally, is if it Wally? Go- if he's going to be like, this is what you're having today, and I will cook it for you. I'm like, yes. But if it's like, this is what you're having today, good luck. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so I'm really, really excited for the future of healthcare. I definitely have a, recommend looking at this article because we haven't really touched too much on um, actually points, yeah. some of the stats, but it was certainly something to get us thinking about. So check that out. It'll be in the show notes. So we said we were going to touch on This Week Millennials Killed. We often don't touch on it, but we've got we'll five minutes, quickly, yeah. so we can quickly touch on it. So this week, Millennials Killed... <laughs> Tipping. So again, lots of articles about how millennials are really, really rubbish tippers. Um, we'll link to one from the New York Post. We were just looking at the stats, though, and we're not entirely sure the stats make a hundred percent sense. <laughs> so they do make thirty-two <laughs> percent. <laughs> so we'll link the article in the show notes, um, so you can kind of make sense of the stats yourself, because. We were just kind of losing control. <laughs> There's a lot of stats in <laughs> There's there. a lot of stats in there. But um, yes, so essentially the crux of the issue is apparently millennials are not tipping as well as older generations. So what we're going to figure out is why we believe that is. And I ultimately think that actually, first of all, I think millennials definitely have less money and they're definitely thinking about how they're spending their money. I think technology is probably also kind of... Um, took away that barrier of like that face-to-face connection because i know when you're in a cab now instead you get you just book an uber and at the end of it you've kind of left and you're thinking well i'm never going to see him again i don't look like a bit of a dick if i just leave and Mm -hmm. don't give him any money you got the choice away from the person the pressure to decide actually were they nice like i've i think the only times i've ever tipped um uber drivers is literally when i go shopping and i'll get an uber back and they'll usually like jump to help you carry the shopping and i'm like hell yeah please because i've got so much and then they'll bring it in with me and i'm like okay that's that's they've done mm. they've gone way beyond of course i tip them and i also find that for myself in restaurants like if someone gives crap service and i don't feel they've gone above board or they've kind of really pushed to be nice or checking up on you then i'm like well you've ignored me the whole time why am i going to give you a tip yeah i agree i agree with you here and this is where probably the american audience are probably going <gasps> you don't tip yeah <laughs> but i i think and i think it part of it comes with like the cynical brit but i personally have a bit of an issue with the idea of somebody like expecting a tip just because they've done their job like particularly in like restaurants as you say like if they've just ignored you for the whole time and not like actually put in an effort or not even been like 
not not that they've been rude, but not that also that they've not been like you know you don't want a, a waiter that's like really really pushy like is everything okay like every mouthful, yeah. <laughs> but you also don't want. Uh, a waiter or waitress that's just kind of like, okay, what, what are you having? Okay, bye. Yeah. Like, you, you kind of want somewhere in the in the middle ground. And if you don't get that, I, I kind of do feel a little bit like, well, why am I tipping you? Because you haven't... It's about that going above and beyond, right? That's what the tip is for. It's like, actually, you've done such a good job that I want to give you a little extra because you've earned it, as opposed to like, well, you're doing your job. You just expect expectation. I think that comes back to like, there's certain careers, isn't it? That you think, well, that you get a tip restaurant back in the day when you got a taxi, you was kind of like round it up, give them a tip. And I think even in the article, they were saying like, actually Americans are getting, are probably less likely to do it because they're learning from when they visited London and seeing that actually not everybody tips and it's not expected. And so actually, Oh, they've had a bit of a culture shock and suddenly gone, wait, why am I? (laughs) The, The British aren't just so rude. They just decide not to tip. So, yeah, I think I think yeah, they're killing tipping. But at the end of the day, I think millennials are happy to tip as long as they feel they're getting That's value it. from the experience. I agree. I agree. I am. If if you've done a good job, like I will happily tip you and go, yeah, have some extra. But also, I think another thing that I think might be why here in the UK at least we don't tip is you hear so many stories of actually like the restaurant taking the tips and things like that, and you just kind of go, actually, are you getting this tip? Mm-hmm. Because I'm giving it to you because you have done a good job, not because. Yeah. And, and I do get a bit aggy when I find out all the tips go into a pot and then get split evenly. Because I'm like, well, actually, no, Billy over there did fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Billy. I'm giving it to you, James. Yeah. Uh, not Billy. You're the one that carried the pram down the stairs for that lady <laughs> and it. stuff like that. Yeah. And because <laughs> Billy's in a strop. I don't want him to have anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think there's part of that as well, personally. Fair enough. But yes. Do you tip? Yeah. Also, categorically, do you think tipping should be compulsory? No. No. Hell no. Hell no. I think, as I say, in certain industries, yeah, like going for a restaurant and a meal, nice meal and stuff, fair enough. But not any other places. Forget that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But yes, let us know what your stance is on tipping at PN underscore podcast on the old Twitters. Or if you prefer a less public forum, send us an email. Wayne at PowerfulNonsense.com or Gem at PowerfulNonsense.com. Just in case, you know, you don't want to offend any of those waiter friends that you have. (laughs) Or who are also probably actors like me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so that is it for this week. Um, If you have enjoyed the episode, please do let us know by leaving us a nice review on the old iTunes, five stars or more would be greatly appreciated. You can even do it within the old podcast app. No excuse, guys. No excuse. Um, but yes, and also do let us know what you think about the episode on Twitter and or email. Um, screw it, I'm going to throw in Instagram as well, at powerful underscore nonsense on the old gram. Jem uh, is in charge of that one, so send all the hate mail his way. <laughs> um, thanks very much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. See you later. Thank you.